The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Episode 87 of the podcast. Now, it's almost Christmas, so I'm both reflective and forward thinking and I'll come to that very shortly in my food for thought part of the podcast but what I want to do is just trail the interview that I've got which is a great one with Chris Brown who specializes in working with midlifers and beyond in shaping a retirement or a post work you know after work life to shaping it up to be brilliant and I think this is really important and it's something that resonates a lot with me um, because one of the things that I did in leaving the police was kind of have to negotiate in my own mind um, what what is my what is my thoughts around this so-called retirement? What do I want to do? And I, and I came to realise that actually my perception of retirement as is, which is finish work and then do what you like, you know, knock about whatever it is, wasn't really what I wanted. And that's the question: What did I want? What do I want from that that time? For me, I want to keep enjoying doing something meaningful and that I enjoy and I think that's the key part of it but what is that how does it fit into that brilliant life and this is where Chris has some really powerful great thoughts and some really useful tools and, and approaches to that so we explore that in, in the interview so hopefully you get a lot from that but before we do that what I want to do is kind of tap us into this I think this feeling that we can often get towards the end of a significant period usually you know a year is a classic time isn't it the end we're coming towards the end of of the year and for many of us it's also a period where we get a bit of space and a bit of downtime to reflect and think but what can often happen is the festive period for many of us and just the other things that go on mean that that proper reflection time that proper time to get your head down and think about what do I want gets a bit crammed and crushed and it isn't it isn't necessarily quality time so as I've sort of trailed over the last few weeks I want us to start thinking ahead um, in advance of the so-called New Year's resolution about thinking about exactly that. What would I like next year to look like? So what I want to encourage you to do, we're still a couple of weeks out from Christmas, is to start that process, to, to find a little bit of time, five minutes here, ten minutes there, for now, half an hour there, a couple of hours, wherever. But to make some time to start the thinking, the, the juices flowing, if you like. And start thinking about the year that's gone. What, what, what has been the highlights? What have been perhaps the things that you would like to avoid, if possible, in the in the year to come? And obviously, that's just, you know, there may be things that are out of our control, obviously. But what are things that particularly are highlights and that perhaps we've started on or made a start at the beginning of the year, but haven't progressed as much as we'd like? And none of that is a bad thing. That actually means that we've got something we can build on. And really, it's about focusing our thoughts towards planning the year ahead. Now I've talked about this a lot over the year over the years over the episodes around how do we plan you know that longer term life vision the shorter term goal and I think this is a time to start to, to bring that in to focus in terms of the next year. So really what I want to get you thinking about is in the lead up to the the, the, the changeover of years when it clicks from two to three 2023 um, what would you like next year to look like? How would you like it to shape up? First question, I guess, is do you have a longer term, a bigger idea in terms of your, it needn't be your health, but for me, obviously, that, that's one of my main focuses with people is, but what is your bigger, longer term vision? Whether it's health, whether it's your life, midlife, beyond, whatever that is, what is that? And how would you like the next year to contribute to you moving towards that? What would you like? to um, achieve in this next year. And it doesn't need to be anything specific or firm necessarily, although that can be helpful. Just uh, hot off the press, I've actually signed up, thanks to my son Thomas, suggesting that we uh, we do the uh, Kielder Marathon in October 2023. Yikes. But the point of that is, that's a very specific goal to work towards, and it does fit in with my you know other health goals, particularly a kind of vague ambition to run the Marathon de Sable, which I've mentioned a couple of times, five-day ultramarathon across the deserts in uh, in southern Morocco. Anyway, that aside, we'll park that bigger vision and we'll focus on Kiela. So, But the point is, that's a very specific goal to work towards. So that can be really useful. But so can just having an idea of, you know, by the end of the year, I would just like to be in a better place for my health or with my work or, or whatever. The key thing is not to keep it vague. To have that direction of travel, but then to bring it back to, okay, so next few weeks, January is going to start and roll on through. What would be a good 
really short-term goal, two, three, four, five, even six months that I could work towards. Something that's nearer term, but also nearer, perhaps a little stretching, you know, definitely stretching, pushing us, but not, you know, overly big, that we don't feel as if we can achieve it. And really, what would that look like? What that, could that goal be? Could it be something specific like, you know, a 10K run, a marathon for me or for you potentially something if that's the case but it could be a physical goal it could be a work goal what would it look like it might be a change of career it might be a, a a shift in how you work because here's the thing i think this is where having that shorter term goal uh, and bringing it into something that's like that's say six months ahead three four five six months ahead can then start to think about well what does january need to look like what decisions do I need to start making in relation to how I'm working? Um, if it's whether it's a health and or a work goal or whatever, what activities do I need to be focusing on, doing more of and doing less of in order to make the time for and to move me towards that particular goal? And I, I guess I'm talking kind of generalities here. So let, let's let's kind of build it into, do you know what? In six months, I'd like to lose a stone, stone and a half. Uh, in weight, I'd like to move on that to get on that journey of, of weight loss. So, in terms of that, there are a number of approaches. There's levers, as I've talked about in the previous episodes. There's levers we can pull on that in terms of the energy in, energy out balance. And some of those levers relate to our eating habits, what we eat, that kind of thing. Some of them may, might relate to the activity. Um, now, each of these take a bit of planning. Uh, and thought. So what, what does a week have to look like for you? How much activity you, would you like to build in there? And to where are you building from? So that we're not sort of thinking, right, I want to build in five days a week at the gym when you go from a baseline of zero. As, as Duncan O'Brien said in the interview that we had with him a couple of episodes ago, we need to earn our way or walk our way or move our way back to the gym or to that level of activity. We need to build up. But in so doing, activity itself is going to contribute to that gap, for example. So how how do you build in the time and start with that end in mind? So for me, the planning is about setting that longer term goal, a short long term idea, the short term goals, and then looking at what does it need to look like on in terms of my diary on a week by week basis, on a day by day basis. So how do I put in now the times or the blocks of time that I'll need to dedicate perhaps to more activity, whether it's walking, getting to the gym. For me, it's blocking out the time for the CrossFit, which I've got reasonably good at, but it does slide in terms of discipline, which is another factor to factor in. But it's about blocking those times in and then seeing what needs to give and what things you need, what decisions you need to make in relation to the other stuff. So I'm focusing particularly on health here, I guess, but it could equally apply to a work or to a, another kind of um, goal, whether it's a hobby or, or some business idea or anything, to be fair. But the health side is, you know, I might need to set aside a half an hour, two or three times a week or a bit more or a long walk, etc. Or to ensure I get a lunch break or take a lunch break. And in relation to those, what needs to be anticipated in advance of this starting? What do you need to anticipate in relation to the things that likely undermine or scupper those plans? So perhaps um, meetings dropping into your calendar that, at the time that you've blocked or booked. Um, in which case, if that's likely to happen, how can you anticipate and what can you do to mitigate the chance of that happening or reduce the chance of that or eliminate the chance of it happening? Who do I need to speak to? Who do I need to negotiate with or connect with? What decisions do you need to make around perhaps the meetings that you attend? And who do you need to speak to and if, that, if you need to just make a few decisions on attending less of those meetings? What is your approach to checking in on emails? What are other people's expectations of you being available? to emails and and on answering texts and messaging, use of social media, what kinds of things sap your quality time to, in terms of the quality time to focus on the goal that you want to move towards. So for, for that weight loss goal, yes, it's making time for the activity, but it's also perhaps making time to plan a shopping list, to plan meals, to decide what you're going to do in relation to um, the in-betweenies, the snack and the temptations that perhaps are in the house if you're working from home. Those kinds of things need some thought and some anticipation. Now, this is not because we want to get it perfectly right and then we'll have a perfect plan for the new year. But it is about getting realistic because the classic thing with New Year's resolutions is that they don't we don't stick to them traditionally. Typically, most of us, you know, that's what the statistics and research say, we tend to they tend to drift and we've forgotten them within a few weeks or even months. And what we're trying to do here is give ourselves that short-term goal 
that can help you fix your mind on something that you you know you've got a why and a motivator something to to focus in on but then seeing tangible steps and chunks that you need to build into your your days and your weeks and that would include review time i guess as well because what we need to do as well is how, how do i protect so say half an hour a week to review my goals so there's a few ideas there in terms of that planning but i guess what i'm really getting you to think about at, at this point a couple of weeks in advance is to identify time over the next couple of weeks five minutes here ten minutes there to jot down thoughts capture ideas and then maybe an hour or two of space where you can map it out and that map gives you a plan a very rough plan not a, f a rigid um plan that you are in you know you know you'll be able to rigidly stick to but a rough plan that will be ready for contact 2023 ready for that contact with 2023 and um you know no plan survives first contact as there's been various variations on that quote um but the point of it is that we've got something rough to work with and that when we get to 2023 if we're going to start then i would suggest we start sooner with a softer launch of the goal and i've talked about that in previous episodes as well but the point is when we get into it we don't fall at the first hurdle or we don't get defeated by the first thing that that takes us off track or by the first thing that happens because it's got to be life proof and by life proof I don't mean so minimal that it doesn't it doesn't need to uh, it doesn't have any sort of any resistance by, by life what I mean in terms of life proof is that um, it takes the knocks we then get back and go okay so what can I change what do I need to do who do I need to speak to do I need to push back on this do I need to change that and we make those tweaks and and processes and keep working with it and learn as we go so that plan needs to be really flexible and not too big not too grand not too rigid because the challenge with big grand plans is we don't get them off the ground in the first place or if we do we get them off the ground hit the first object obstacle and it's just too big to pick back up and get on with so that rough plan is about well what do I what can I do and then to move on to it in day-by-day -day actions what can I do that's manageable and small that um, is capable of withstanding the challenges of the days and the challenges of life going ahead and that we can then work with and build on because the aim really is to make it a sustainable plan not just a new year's resolution but a 2023 intention that we carry on through and work with and tweak so i guess really um i'll i'll be talking a lot more about this over the coming weeks particularly as we get into that january time but it's this idea of what do you want for 2023 and what would roughly help you move towards that direction by setting a short-term goal whether it's a fitness goal a fitness challenge a weight loss goal or a health challenge or a career goal it might be to speak to a couple of people within the organization develop get a mentor there's lots of different ideas on it obviously i tend to focus more on the health thing because i think that's very much top of mind for a lot of my clients and potentially uh, yourself as well so have a think about that and you can drop me a line, Dave, at Restless Midlife, if you have any thoughts. And also, I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody as well. If you want to, um, we can arrange a Zoom or a chat just to uh, to get some thoughts down and start to pull that. Because, as I say, 2023 is just another year. But if we're not careful, we'll end 2023 looking back thinking, I wish I had, I could have done I started well, but I didn't, blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of intentions, all well and good, very human. But let's see if we can make this one count. Let's see if we can make it life-proof build it and actually make some movement forward something that we can look back on at the end of 2023 and go yeah you know there was a heck of a lot chucked at me but i made i made some real progress there I'm, maybe i didn't achieve that small goal but i did that and i managed that and i did achieve this great good on you so what about 2024 that's what we're looking for that cons, cons, uh, <laughs> incremental building on the goal tweaking and and realigning and keeping moving forward so that's my food for thought this this week uh, on with the interview with chris brown i hope you get a lot out of that as well because i think this isn't just for um somebody who is looking retirement down you know in the face or having retired um actually the sooner sooner we start to think about the the things that we talk about in this interview the better because it isn't just about the future life it's about life now but also what we can do now to shape to give ourselves the best chance to shape life moving forward as well and to make that life brilliant. So I love that. Anyway, so let me know your thoughts, Dave at restlessmidlife.com and uh, on with the interview. Hi, Chris. Um, oh, I'm delighted to have you along for the podcast episode. I've been excited about this. Um, so just for the benefit of the listeners, do you want to give uh, introduce yourself, who you are, what a bit about your background and what brings you to what you're doing now? Uh, and then we'll dive in a bit uh, as we go. Um, looking forward to the conversation. 
Sure. Um, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, where I started was for many years, I was a lawyer in industry and never 100% satisfied by that. Um, yes, I could do the job well, but it didn't fill all, or tick all the boxes for me as far as that was concerned. And then in about 2007, a chance meeting with somebody actually um, to do with their child falling asleep when a magician was um, doing things at my daughter's birthday party. Right. A chance meeting with this guy who was both um, an interim management um, person, which is what I was doing. And he was also um, using something called the Berkman method, which was an American work profiling tool. We'd probably call it personality tool. Led me to, to um, months later to training in Houston and then um, getting into this. And for years, I was then using this um, in my spare time from work almost to help people in their various transitions in life, mm. um, such as getting um, into university, what they were going to do, getting out of it, what they were going to do, developmental things. And eventually I became really interested in what I call the biggest change in somebody's life after they've gone into full-time work, which is not marriage and it's not children. It's actually getting out of full-time work, what most people call retiring and what I call getting into future life because it's got better connotations to it. And I built, I, I brought some other tools together with it to do with personal energy, which we'll talk about later. And frankly, nobody's ever heard of, but they're great. And I put these things together and um, we'll be told I came up with something that I think is really useful to help people work out what they want, who they are, what they want to do and how they're going to have the energy to do it when they actually get to giving up full time work. Mm, great. And I, this is what sort of brought us onto the radar, I guess, of each other, because that transition thing is, it's a, it's a, although my focus is very much around the health and regaining that and, and getting back that that weight management aspect, it is around the transition phase of for that midlife and beyond, as I like to describe it, where you get to a point where in life you think, is this it? You know, and I've let myself go a bit and I just don't feel, I don't feel like I'm living the life I want. And your work really struck me that actually it, it dovetails in in so many ways because life is the journey and there's so many transitions, but it's a huge one, isn't it? And actually, this is what I want to dig into is, is how you approach this uh, with clients and what have you. But is what can we do sooner rather than later as well? Because I, I, as a police officer, when I've, you know, I haven't retired, I left, but I know a lot of people who retired who retired recently who kind of feel the pull and the elastic band back to return to a very structured social job and I think that perhaps you know decisions can reasons for decisions can vary but I think I feel like sometimes they've pulled back because there's a vacuum rather than something they're proactively prepared for do you know what I mean and I think I think if <clears throat> I'll come back to that in a second but I actually think exactly that same thing is happening now big time with what people call the great retirement or whatever it happens to be because there are thousands of people who because of the pandemic and how they felt about things then and didn't want to go back to full-time work have let's use this word for ease retired early and now all of a sudden they start looking at it and for some it's a question of actually, I don't really have enough money. And for a lot of others, it's a question of, well, what on earth do I do with my time? Because all of a sudden, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and one more for a leap year, it's all my time. What am I going to do with it all? And unless you've actually worked out what you're going to do and have a wide panoply of things and have got a really good understanding of yourself, you're not going to get anywhere with it. But the great thing is that the tools that I use are actually easily usable at a much earlier stage um, and don't have to be at the transition because actually they're about really understanding yourself. Now, imagine you take that further and say, if really understanding myself means understanding what I really want to do and I haven't been doing that for a job before, well, actually, I could go back into work and at least theoretically do what I'd really want to do, what will satisfy me, what will make me feel good. Similarly, those tools are about behaviours and what you need from other people to get the best out of your life. All those are usable at that stage. And all the personal energy and fun tools I've got, again, 
they're all usable because it's not it's not that these only work at the transition. It's just that I tend to use them at that transition. So they could easily be used. I could easily be using them with people who are 10, 20, maybe even 30 years younger to get a much better understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody who was, I, went, I, was, I was at his retirement do, um, you know, still young at heart <laughs> and young, you know, in lots of ways. There's a song um, there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, 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 there is. <laughs> Who's done that? Anyway, that's things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that a listener can Sorry write in with that one. Yeah, but the point is that um, he had plans, he had ideas and ambitions. Yeah. He's full of these ideas. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, he kind of dropped in that he's back at doing something else, a different version of, et cetera, and likes it, et cetera. And I, I wondered what happened. And it might have been the perfect right decision, but it's, it's that kind of hope and aspiration that many of us have like oh when i retire i will or when i win the lottery i will or next year i will and actually there's aspiration is only one part of the of the yes. aspiration and ideas is only one part of the 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 process i guess and leaving it until that point can often mean that you're dealing with fear disconnection you know that kind of thing as well so it becomes a very confusing thing so i like this idea of being a little bit more proactive and using tools and processes. Just before you jump in, this is where the, the, your book, which you kindly sent to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm devouring, to be fair. Um, lead, uh, leaders don't retire. And then on the back, uh, they, they hit refresh. Yes. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that as a process. So, t- And the whole thing, the whole thing is, that's, to me, there was a guy called uh, Steve Ratcliffe who wrote a, wrote a book called... Um, Leadership Plain and Simple. I'm, I'm thinking, and it's on the bookshelf to the right of it. But his definition of leader wasn't somebody who's way up there leading something. His definition was anybody who has got something they're about, something they want to do, they're going to get on with it, or they're going to help others get on with it. They themselves are a leader of other people mm-hmm. or themselves. And in a sense, although I probably originally wrote my book for the higher up leaders, it works well in terms of anybody who is going to look after themselves. Because what I am trying to work with is people who want to help themselves, who want to do something. Because obviously, if somebody's not going to do something, they're really not going to end up being a client for you or a client for me or somebody because they're not actually going to get it and do something about it. So um, if you think about those earlier time periods and using those tools, it's really all about somebody understanding where they want to go, what they want to do and how they want to do it and preparing for it. Because by the time they get to retirement, if they don't do that, there's standard, stereotypically, there are sort of five big loss areas that they're going to suffer. I mean, they're going to, I don't know whether I remember them all off the top of my head, but they're going to have a sense of loss to do with status. They're no longer in that position anymore. I mean, there was a the, the ex-governor of the Bank of England um, Eddie George once said, retirement is the time you go from who's who to uh, who's he. And <laughs> and so there's that sense of loss. There's a, there's a sort of loss of identity. Um, you're not doing that structured thing which you were talking about anymore. That's, that's actually controlling most of your day. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're adding things with your um, spouse or partner and family and all sorts, that's the rest of your day more or less gone. Um, then there's a sort of you get loss of friendships because an awful lot of people, particularly with men, more so than with women, but, but their their friends all come from their work mm. or almost all come from their work and they won't necessarily have those anymore. And there are a couple of other losses and you can actually obviate the problems with those by getting properly prepared before. And actually, if you prepare in your, let's say, 50s rather than 60s, you might be even better off. Mm. Yeah, I love that, and I, that so ties in and resonates with um, with the exp- my my own sort of mini experiences. I left the police twice, mm-hmm. escaped the police. I like to think, and the first first time they caught me, I went back. But the first <laughs> time I left, having Serial no offender. idea, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the um, I left, but I had no nothing in place you know I didn't know how to run a business for starters but yeah. then I also had nothing in place to cater for what was a, a, a gaping void 
for social connection, structure, yeah. direction. And you talk about leadership, and I think this is a really important thing because we do associate leadership as somebody up there, but we're talking about leadership, uh, personal leadership, yes, aren't we? Absolutely. As much as yes. and taking ownership of ourselves and that that isn't just about having a direction of goal but it's like it's kind of having some sort of realization i need to develop the belief in myself the systems the process to work to direct myself to move to engage and connect with other people so i think that's a really important and it's wider than that as well because that connection with other people if you think about it within this whole um thing um it doesn't matter whether it's a, a male or a female retiring but they're if they've got another significant other, if we can put it that way, they're going to have a big part to play in this. I mean, mm-hmm. traditionally, um, uh, sorry, what I've found through working with these things and through talking to people, uh, shock, horror, is that the, the females, the women, tend to be much better prepared than the men are because mm-hmm. their lives have been much more flexible. They've had to balance work and children and you know, mm-hmm. sorting out the food and all sorts of other things in stereotypical types. But... They tend to be much better sorted, but they're also very significant influencers. And so it's actually quite important that they get brought into this whole panoply, this whole preparation, this whole argument, mm-hmm. so that um, so that um, they can have an influence on whatever. Now, I don't know if it's the same with your work as far as the, the sort of reshaping is concerned, but certainly later on, they need to be fully involved because... You know, when one person retires, another one either retires or is massively affected by that retirement anyway. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's a really good point as well. And I, 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 I've just recently, with it being International Men's Day the other the other day um, last weekend, actually, that that's actually something that's probably worth just noting or dwelling on for a moment is that there the. A big protective factor, and we are generalizing here, you know, yeah. but, but for men in general, there's exceptions and there's variation, obviously. But a big protective factor for men is a caring spouse, partner, long term partner, whatever, who gives them the nudges uh, and the 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 push and the, the 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 things that they need. Because typically, men, as you say, will need a good nudge to go to the doctors, for example. Yes, you know, in yeah. terms of and health and. And can let that go in favor of becoming very focused on certain things. And you're right in terms of relationships, and again, generalization, but men tend to form wider networks, but shallower. And I don't mean shallow, I just mean the depth of emotional connection is less than yeah. um, typically women have in, in their richer, deeper relationships. So that's is that something that perhaps is what leads to a difference in the, how they cope in that retirement? Well, I, I think it is. And if you think about it, um, for, for many, I mean, for many women, they are involved in quite tight knit small groups where they've got friendships which could well have gone through all their adulthood. It may be school friends, it may be others. I, I mean, my wife has got a small group of, um, there are four of them who um, will have sort of dinner in some restaurant once a month, every month, and they have done ever since they were all in the maternity ward at the same time, 20-odd yeah. um, years ago. And, and, and that's phenomenal. But, but because of that, and also I think because of women's magazines, which look at things in much more depth, they get, they're almost given permission to and do look at things in much more depth and, and they get their emotions into play. Whereas men, you know, I know it's not everybody, but a lot of men will tend to hide those away. And so... For me, I get lots of situations where um, there's been no discussion because let's just take it man retiring, woman, um, same sort of age or a bit younger and maybe not retiring. There hasn't been the discussion. Mm. She can be very worried about what's going to happen. He's worried about what's going to happen. There's no communication there. So there's a fundamental thing in terms of what I do. That's all about trying to get people to communicate properly, mm-hmm. because that's actually the only way you work through these things. It can actually the whole process, the whole going through um, through retirement or through that transition, if done properly, can actually lead to better relationships. Mm. Um, and for most people, that's great. Apart from a management consultant I once had who said to me, "Chris, um, I think by this process, you're thinking that 
my wife and I can get closer together? And I said, yes. And he said, I don't want to. Right. Okay. <laughs> but that's yeah. the only time it's ever happened to yeah, me. Yeah, Most yeah. of the time, yes, there's that desire. So it's a complex thing, which is built of understanding of people, of things to do, of money, of emotions, of aspirations. So you're right, aspiration. I mean, there are about six things I've just said there, and aspiration is only one of them. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think so. So in terms of it, th- this is where I, I think for me, the, f- the phrase midlife and beyond to to bit like the, the buzz like year to infinity and beyond to, to, through midlife and beyond is something that if we can sort of wake up to this sooner rather than later, yeah. there are some things we can start to put in place and just dabble and explore, but give serious consideration to. And one of the things that I, I love about your work is it isn't just about planning for retirement, you know, because what do we think of there? The pre-retirement course that, that they, they run in the police, et cetera, which are all necessary things, financial, yeah. this, that, and the other, but you're kind of just going down one avenue. What I love is that you, you're talking about how do you have a brilliant retirement yeah how do you yeah, shape absolutely. that up because because you can because th- this is the restless midlife of that adventurous spirit just because you retire just because you get to a particular age doesn't mean it stops it actually means it's probably more important than ever do you know in terms of how we thrive one of the things i actually say in my book at some point is that um you know it, it's it's really probably the first time in your life that the grass can be greener because you make it greener by what you do Mm. And, and it's not a it's not an aspirational thing. It can be a real thing if you get it right. And there's and if you go through a process properly, there's every chance you'll get it right. Then you set yourself up for. Well, if you think about it, if somebody gives up work at, let's just say, 65, it'll be all sorts of ages these days. But say 65, if you're in reasonably good health, statistically, you've got at least 20 years of good life after that and if you take what you do as um, a work in terms of the health and things and if people get health and fit they're going to spend a lot longer a lot more of that time in being healthy retired life great time to do all those things you never did before those things you started and didn't carry on with when you were younger go to those places you you, you were before spent time with your kids your grandchildren um, new relationships form new things you do some things you do by yourself, some things you do with a partner, etc. It can be an absolutely brilliant time, mm. especially when you've just spent all that time working, when it was structured and it was somebody else's time, not yeah. yours. Yeah, 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 which in its way can be very comforting, but you don't realise it until you leave it. Yeah. But it's a, it's it's kind of the uh, a seductive comfort that doesn't really live up to its promise or there is a bet there is something else out there that through a bit of discomfort but going through the fear facing the fear so i guess th- th- there's a question that i have is how how does somebody sort of how how does somebody come to you and what do they typically present with in terms of what they're wanting or what what their concerns are and challenges that, that to start the journey you know for, with you well it's actually quite difficult um getting people to come to me mm. simply because An awful lot of people think, well, people have always retired, so I can do this by myself. And actually, you can. But you're actually going to have to be very diligent and very thoughtful and very focused to really be able to do it by yourself and get the best out of it. So people come along through sometimes through looking at the website, sometimes through maybe me doing things on LinkedIn, sometimes through other things, sometimes through talks I might give or other things like that. and I hope eventually I'll get loads of people on through, um, you know, through what they call it, recommendation, etc. Yeah. But, but in a sense, I'm in the fairly early stages as far as it's concerned. And, and it's a question of finding out what works best. But, but there is a fundamental problem. And of course, it's more difficult at the moment because um, the, somebody's idea of why would I want to spend money doing that sort of thing when... I need to pay the gas bill and the electricity bill and the this and the that and all sorts of things at the moment. And I think it's it's a bit like it's a bit like saving up for your retirement or getting yourself healthier bit by bit. It's really a question of getting some preparation done, however quickly or slowly you do it, just so that you're in the best possible position to handle it. Ways that people things present themselves. Um, usually what people come and say to me 
is not what they're concerned about. There's an un, there's usually an underlying fear there mm. because, and the biggest fear is, I don't know what this will be like because I understand what I do at work. I go to work, I do my job, I'm used to it. It's a comfort zone, as you said before, and that's fine. But what actually happens, comes on the end of it? What am I going to do? Because mm. actually, even though I say, I'm going to go fishing all day. I'm going to play golf. I'm going to do the gardening. Well, people get fed up of those things. Most people do fairly quickly. Mm. They need more for their brains and body to do. And so there's, there's, there's an underlying concern. And you've got to, in a sense, you've got to tease into that concern. Um, and you've got to start people along the track. I've got a whole series of exercises that help people gradually get used to the idea and then push out into into where they want to go yeah yeah that, that makes total sense because I think that's a typical coaching challenge isn't it that what somebody might first think is an issue or a challenge there's underlying the underlying present the presenting problem isn't often what you'd end up dealing with I mean that's yeah. typical in terms of work I do with the reshape side is the the presenting problem I want to lose a bit of weight but actually it's not it's it's often about the other stuff and that's where the real work is but the fun and the liberating and the transformational work so it's how to get that get that that reframe for that individual to think this is like me perhaps investing in a personal trainer or taking time to go to the gym it's it's worth investing the time in this so I think yeah that, and, and yeah. actually in the way that in the way that you do your work when you take things down into the into the small things into the slices and the sprouts and then you you sweat those sprouts and you develop them from there there is a sort of similarity in that it's about understanding that um it's almost as as um you know people have said before it's it's those marginal gains but those marginal gains give you the confidence to do other things in my case it's Getting people to using the tool I use this this Berkman method to 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 really get people to understand who they are, what's important to them, what their best behaviors are like, what they need from other people. Understanding that seems to give people the confidence to push forward and, and then get into other areas to start understanding that. And, and it's but actually the biggest movement comes when I start talking to them about personal energy because. Right. That's a subject which most people have never heard of. And yet, if they had, we'd have all have had better lives. It, for me, it's a subject that should be being taught in school. But, you know, it, it's not, as it were. And, and by personal energy, I mean, it's, it's your own energy. But it's not just your physical energy that you might expect. That, that's a part of it. I break it down into six different energies and then pull them back together again. So I break it down into physical, mental, emotional social, um, environmental, and, and purpose energy. And I'm, I won't go through them in detail. I'll just take the odd one. But physical energy is very easy to understand because we all understand, you know, I'm tired, I've done too much, and I'm worn out and whatever else. You use an energy just by normal living. So physical energy you'll use just by doing things. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, it's a bit like fuel in a car. If you take the fuel out of the fuel tank, whatever that fuel happens to be, it's empty. There's nothing there. It doesn't go anywhere. It won't start up and it won't go anywhere. Mm. And so you've got to refuel it. And how do you refuel it? Well, with physical energy, it's the sort of things that you talk about in your work. It's proper nutrition. It's exercise. It's sleep. It's rest. It's those sorts of things. But it fits in with all the other energies as well. So, for instance... It fits in with the mental energy. If you are tired, overtired, you can't think. You can't do things. You don't, you get snappy with your partner. You don't um, handle things in the right sort of way. That then drug jags in the emotional energy part where, well, if you get the emotional energy part wrong at the same time as you're tired, you get big explosions, <laughs> all sorts of things. And we all know what those are like. Yeah. Um, but you get it, you get in other ways as well. I mean, for instance, just the, the one part that fits in quite well, the physical energy, the environmental energy part is actually about how you do things. It's having your own space to work in. It's, you know, it, it's been shown massively whilst this pandemic was on. I mean, my wife and I have been working in the house 
I've got a study, she uses the dining room. We couldn't be in the same room doing things. It just wouldn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Need your own space. You need to understand how you get distracted by all those dings on the computer and turning them off and all sorts. And, you know, and, the, and there are all these things. So you're bringing these energies together, you're refueling them. And, and they, they all fit together with what I call purpose energy, which is the most important of the lot, the hardest to understand. And I'm not going to try and go into any detail here. But suffice to say, if you actually have a real purpose in life, if you find that purpose in life, and that's one of the things I help do with people, then you're going to sail through life much better because you're going to be much more resilient. Everything else is going to fit in. You know where you're going. And a purpose tends to be not, I'm going to get down to 10 stone. A purpose tends to be something much bigger, Mm. bigger than you, but something you're going to work towards. You might never get there. But the analogy I give in the book, and it's a well-known one, is that one of the three stonemasons building the cathedral, which won't actually be built for 200 years? Two of them are just, you know, stone chipping away with stone and, and, and working on the thing. The third one thinks he's building a cathedral. He's got this much bigger purpose. And because of it, he's happier. Things are going along better. He knows where he's going and things are working properly. Yeah. And I take that when I talk about earlier about how it works in your work life and everything else as well. If you have a purpose in your work life, far better than if you just go to work every day without having something fundamental that you really feel like doing. And and I would suspect, I'll stop talking in a minute, but I suspect that when you left the police force the first time and the second time, maybe that purpose wasn't there because you you went back the first time, you got dragged back again because you didn't feel ready with the other things. Mm. But if you'd have had a real purpose and it was linked to the police, you'd probably have stayed and not left the second time. Mm. Absolutely. I think this is a big, this is a biggie. Um, you mentioned about I'm going to retire, play golf, do the gardening and all, all of that, you know, that side of things. And I think this is this is the we we have this fantasy, don't we, when we're at work. We used to sit on a night shift in the panda car, sitting there. So how long have you got to go? Oh, I've got three years. I've got 10. Oh, look at you. That kind of thing. What are you going to do with it? And we talk about these things. And it was lovely. You know, yeah. I'm just going to sort off and live on a beach or something like that. And it was all lovely. But the reality is that those are their... They're nice activities, but they're not linked to a purpose. And unless you're a professional golfer or you're golfing to change the world in some way, they're not tied in. And I think purpose gives you, we as human beings, we need that, don't we? And I think this is the thing in the restless midlife thing and beyond for me is your purpose, sense of purpose may change. You may clarify it or you may realize you've been moving in a different direction and that's where you need to shift. And work has been a purpose without necessarily thinking it is. Many of us, and suddenly we need to navigate that whole thing. But it is crucial, isn't it, to to, to contain all the other stuff? Absolutely, and and it's not just, for instance, about money. Because you look at what happens with big lottery winners. How many of them are actually happy? The the statistic I read a um, few months ago in the newspaper was um, something like the eighty percent or ninety percent of big lottery winners are no happier two years later on than they were to start with because they don't have a purpose mm. and, and you know and and linked to purpose is actually people's values because um one of the exercises i do with people is to get them to really understand their values and once they understand those values those things that are really important to them actually finding the purpose from there is much easier because the values feed into the purpose mm. that's that's a really that's an important point there because i think there's a lot that it's it's like a lot of things in in the world of this development. There's cliches: follow your passion, find your purpose, do this, find that. You know all of these things, and in every cliche, there's an element of something, but it can get clouded around this oversimplified message. Yeah. Well, find my purpose. Well, what what does that actually mean? But let's step back because there is meaningful things that is, needs to be needs to be done. Just by stepping out your door, you can find meaningful stuff that will make a difference in other people's lives, for example. So finding your purpose is is kind of a funny way to look at it, whereas come back to actually exactly what you say, your, your values, what 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 are they about, can help shape the decisions on what that would be. So talk, talk me a little bit more about that, because I think that's really important, and that's a useful well, way for people to 
direct if, their, their efforts. If you go back into into work times, and I'm, I'm doing that now because a lot of your um, clients, people you work with, will be still in work. Um, if you think about it, I, I read some, there, there was a, um, some work done by one of the big um, consultancies, KPMG, Ernst & Young, somebody like that. And actually, there's an article I've got somewhere, and it talks about if organisations want to keep their per- their people, they need to help them find their purpose within work. Yeah. So in a sense, even before you get to the much wider aspects of it's just you and the world in the future, as it were, whilst you're in work, those people who are happiest are doing something which has a purpose. I mean, they're not just um, they're not just making an item. You know, they're not just sort of making this book or whatever. They're doing something which has a fundamental, bigger purpose further on. And they're just a whole cog in the system. And and I do think that when we talk about people understanding the values, I mean, I, I start off with a sheet which has probably got, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80 values on it. And people whittle it down until they've sort of only got four or five at the end because they need to get it down to that lot and then work with those few, those, those fundamental few. Um, and you need to really understand them. And, and, and it's really important to understand them because you'll get people who say, oh, my family is my most important value, looking after my family. And yet you challenge that and say, well, yeah, but you're never there. You're off abroad on business all the time or you're doing this or you're doing that. Mm. Or they'll say, um, integrity is really important to me. Yeah, well, why is it you're doing so-and-so or whatever? And it's not just about challenging people. It's about them understanding themselves, getting a set of values they are really comfortable with. Because once they've got that, it will guide everything else. It's like a, Mm. if I can use that hackneyed phrase, it's like a North Star. Mm. It's that direction that they're going. They'll add it in. They'll find their purpose. And after that, everything fits in with it. And so you'll say, I might be doing this now. I might be doing other things later. But all the while, I'll have that in mind. And that will be of real importance to me. That's a a really important uh, thing to sort of underscore there. Because I I remember when I left the place the first time, I was very much about, it'll be better when I'm out, when I escape, when I do this, and and things will be rosy, et cetera, et cetera. Then obviously I had the year that shaped my life quite dramatically and focused me on stress well-being and went back. And one of the things I had to do, because I went back to operational police and dealing with stuff I didn't want to do, but I had to do it financially, all that kind of thing was, how do I, how do I not, how do I juggle this almost sort of Jekyll and Hyde life of business versus that? But I don't want to do that because that would be too hard. How do I <coughs> sort of find the core that that can be the purpose or the drive behind the both? And it was very much about, well, what is it about me that I love to do that I can bring to the job or bring out of the role? the roles that I'm doing, whether it's leadership development, supporting, helping people, that kind of thing. But recognising that helped me in the role as I had to do it and as I was developing and kept probably kept me buoyed as, as much as possible and still focused on what I wanted, to, the direction I wanted to go longer term. You see, and I think that's so important because <clears throat> if you think about how I got into what I'm doing, I was working um, and I started other things I was doing as a sideline, as a side hustle. It wasn't a business thing, first of all. It was just, it was something that kept me sane whilst I was doing other things when I felt I was just, you know, not getting anything out of it. And I think that's actually very important for people that it's entirely possible to start something, which it might be an activity, it might be doing something, it might be playing something, it might be something which might eventually lead to a business. I know people who've set off writing or doing what we're doing now, or doing a podcast, or doing other things, or they're doing something which is important to them, which adds to their life. And and actually, when they can't find any purpose in work, the purpose is starting to get eked out gradually, bit by bit, over the years maybe, of understanding where they're going, and something in the future can come out of that. And it's one of those things that I think is really important for people in work. You don't have to just rely on what you're doing, particularly if you don't particularly enjoy it. And you only need to spend quite small periods of time, you know, um, something something we've talked about recently, which was, you know, finding a number of things to do that you really enjoy, and then perhaps 
honing down on a very small number of those yeah. and doing them, and they can add immeasurably to your life, and something can come out of it that that fits in and that finds the real you. Because in a sense, what you're doing with people and what I'm doing with people is exactly the same thing. We're inciting people to find their real self. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I think the way you the way you frame that is it's it reminds me of the the way that I framed it for myself over the journey because it took me a long time to leave the police and then it took me two goals. Um, there was a lot of financial implications being tied in, etc. How did I keep myself going? Well, one of them was to think it's it's the sprout sweater approaches. I need to move in that direction, and really, I want to be getting it more right than wrong as I'm moving along. So I I don't really know what I want to do with my life. Don't know who I am. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to set out on that journey and just find out the things I definitely don't want to do, I don't like, and the things I do like a bit more and move that way. And in the process, discover things like my, the values, the things that give me the buzz that make me feel fulfilled deeply, and then see what's shaped in terms of a direction and purpose. And, and, and as well, I think, I don't know what you did, I, I sort of know what I did, and I didn't do a particularly good job of it, but I, I feel that there's a need, if you are in a relationship of any sort, mm-hmm. um, not so much with young children, but, but particularly with another adult, I think you need to start trying to talk to them about it because mm-hmm. they need to understand what you're doing. Sometimes the extra things that you're doing are going to take hours of the day that might be spent on other family things. But if it's something that's particularly important to you, I think that understanding needs to come through. And you may find that you've got a partner who's trying to do exactly the same thing because they're not happy with what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. but I think you're right. It's, it is a it's a question of feeling your way of doing it bit by bit and you know you might set off in one direction and then suddenly find you're going a completely different direction yeah. and that's fine it doesn't matter if you've got several false starts because you had a false start by going back into the police well i had a false start by starting an earlier business which i suddenly realized wasn't really going to get anywhere and it didn't if i might use that hackney phrase it didn't tick enough boxes for me and it wasn't until I found what I really wanted to do and how that fitted in with my own values and my own purpose that I felt really comfortable about doing it. And it also means that in those times when I'm developing a business and I still need to be doing other work and earning money, I can live with doing that because I can do that competently, but it's not the be all and end all of everything. I've got something that's much bigger and much better, much more interesting to yeah. push into. Yeah, 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 and I think you're right with the the, the the involving the other person or the people, the, the key people within your life. Because yeah, yeah. even th- something like I'm, I'm going to start some sort of fitness plan, yes, negotiating right, it's going to involve a bit of time for me to go to the gym or to do this, you know, or to get out for a run or a walk or whatever. Mm-hmm. So let's let's have a chat about this. There's give and take. How can we facilitate each other in that session that way? But even start, this is why I think the fitness is a good foundational point, because as you said, it, it's, it's a language and a context for the same principles that apply into everything else. Do, do you know what I mean? And so it's also stop, the physical energy that is the basis well, yeah, of everything. Yeah. Just on, on the, the energies, the other one that, because um, we've talked about a few there and I, I get them. I do. The environmental energy is an interesting one. What, what's, what's, that all about then talk, talk to me about that but if you think about environmental energy in a sense it, it's how you run your life and the things around you so it's it's the space and it's the distractions and it's the interruptions and it's the feeling happy with the envelope in which you are working or the envelope in which you are living so for instance let's take an obvious one an awful lot of people discovered during the pandemic that they were living in a house which if they were all living in all the time felt too small one way or another um there have been a lot of people who've been quite successful um you know um helping people build garden rooms and all sorts of other things because people wanted extra space the extra space doesn't necessarily need to be physical space it can actually be space in your head it can be mental space or emotional space or whatever else as far as that's concerned but then for instance let's take um let's take an example and I tend to be um, slightly impulsive, um, sometimes a bit flamboyant about things, and I like the absurd and the ridiculous. 
two or three people in my family like things which are fairly well within their comfort zone is being straightforward, doing things in the same sort of way and whatever. So we have an awful lot of fun when it gets to ordering a Chinese meal because I want to order four things off the menu that I've never had before. They want four <laughs> things that we've always had before. Yeah. And, and in a sense, all these things are actually a bit of the environmental things because it's the, it's the living together and the working together. Um, I, I've known people who, let's take my thing, I've known people who have retired and they've had to start doing things completely differently. I think it was Winston Churchill, but some people tell me it was um, ex-US President Jimmy Carter, but somebody actually said, I, I married him for life and I married him for love but I didn't marry him for breakfast. And, and there's this whole thing about, you know, some people literally don't see each other, have the morning to themselves and then get together later in the day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got next door neighbours who, and, and he's, um, he was an ex-bank manager and he's been retired for a long time. He got a big deal and he was retired for a long time. Um, he and his wife have some quite different hobbies. She loves doing the garden and she's out there a lot. He is, He's on his bike or he's tinkering with um, some um, old motorbikes he's got or a whole series of other things. They do some things together. They go on walking holidays together. But quite a lot of the things they do are, are separate. It, even if they are not distant, a long way distant, they're separately doing things. They, they've got some of their own friends as well as some joint friends. And, and all these things all sort of fit together. So the environmental thing is really, does what you're doing and the way you're doing it and the constraints within that, do they give you energy or not? Now, I know that um, if I, I've got to control myself because I tend to get distracted. So new things come in on the computer and well, I want to be looking at them, don't I? But if I'm working at something, I have to switch those off, concentrate on what I'm doing. Otherwise, all those things coming through would leach out all that energy from me and I wouldn't have it available to do with what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, so there are lots and lots of different things. I'm not sure I'm giving you the best description, but I think what we're talking about is it's very easy to get energies drawn away from you by being mm -hmm. in a situation you don't like. Classic one, household. One person is very tidy. One person is not. One person puts things, the rubbish out. One person just leaves it lying around. It can be extremely frustrating. It can be irritating. It can be annoying. It can lead to problems. But it actually, the reason is it's draining the energy from people because it's not the same sort of thing. So you've got to find ways to work through all this. And you've got to find, and it actually fits in very well with the physical energy. And you've got to find ways that you refuel that thing so that you have got a full bucket of energy. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that makes sense. And I think probably something that many of us, as you say, are more acutely aware of because of the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, it doesn't always mean we'll get an extension or move house, which I think, you know, has been a practical solution for many. But I think it's also just the, the where are the friction points, the, the, the points that cause that, that psychological weight? And how can I just start to to change, negotiate, reshift, reorganize those elements. I can see how that frees up. I know what it's like, you know, I've not long been moved into this house and there's a lot of sort of work going on, whether it's laying floors, decorating, whatever. And you know that when you finish a room, there's a feeling that you get like, oh, that's lovely. And it's not just the sense of completion, because I think that's an important bit, but you kind of think, right, that's we've done that the way we want it. It works the way we want it. It works the way we live. And there's a nice feeling into that. And some things are not easy. I mean, the central heating dial in my house moves three times every year <laughs> because I turn it down and others turn it up. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and it's, uh, well, here I am working by myself at home today. I can keep it quite cool and it's it's fine, etc. And the cats I've got, they they hide under the radiators and get or on the border and get what heat they can. But once I've got my wife and daughter home who like it a lot hotter, well, then, I mean, I'm the only person that I know who's sitting in a T-shirt and shorts in the middle of winter because my house is too warm. And, and so, you know, I'll go and turn it down. And But actually, the great thing about the pandemic is there's a, there's a jokey thing around the house at the moment about 
um, you know, um, energy crisis or, or financial crisis and all these sort of things. So I'm finding that they're turning it down a bit now. So now I'm going, yeah, great. Right. Yeah. But without that, of course, there is friction. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think this is this is this is a really good point to talk about how we shift life, whether it's a new goal within midlife or preparing for retirement or retiring, that there's a lot of these that may need to be revisited. So I like the way I like the idea of it's for me, it's, you know, I'm using the video for those audio, I'm holding a cabbage up, slice the cabbage down into sprout sized chunks and yeah. work on those different slices, give each slice a bit of attention at a different time. So the six areas for me kind of strike me as six slices. So let's have a look at the environment. I'm going to be moving. Things are going to change. What can we do just to start to tweak and make that work? But also purpose. You know, these are all really important. So it breaks it down for somebody so that because I feel I guess going back to my original point and the reason that I thought this is really interesting to have this conversation is that if we don't look ahead for these things, we end up making off the the spur of the moment decisions that perhaps are more based out of fear or need that we've just lost something. There's a lack. We've lost that social connection because I know how isolated I felt when I first left the police sitting at my desk um, alone. And it was the most isolating feeling I've had. Social energy, you know, one of my six, social energy mm. is actually particularly important because for some yeah. people, um, you'll get some people, and when you say somebody is um, maybe introverted and whatever, it, it, it actually simply means they need less stimulation. So they they don't want to be in a group, a noisy group of a lot of people. They may be happy with one person or a few others. They want to spend quite a lot of time on their own. And, and you find fundamental differences there. So, for instance, you might find people who are able to go out on stage and give good presentations, but afterwards that drains their energy. So afterwards they need to come back and relax. They're not going to go out for the evening with the rest of the people. They're going to go back and they're going to sit in the bath or they're going to read a book or they're going to go yeah. to sleep or whatever else it happens to be. Because fundamentally their need is to recharge that energy. There's one particular one I've missed. And I think we ought to mention, which is in terms of emotional energy. Um, and, and let's take an example. Let's assume that something happens to you and you think, that's fine, I'm not particularly bothered about it. But this particular thing, for me, would be a real problem. Nice. So I'm getting stressed about it and it's draining my energy away. You're feeling quite happy about this situation and getting on with it. The classic one, we're stuck in the traffic jam. Mm. And somebody is getting frustrated, hot under the collar. They're supposed to be in a meeting. They're supposed to do so-and-so. Now, the sensible thing would actually be to calm down, to sit there, to think about it, to use their phone, to phone up, to say, I'm going to be late. There's nothing I can do about it. And then turn the radio on and perhaps relax. Um, rather than getting hot under the collar, thinking, can I get into that lane up that side? Can I do this? Can yeah, I do that? Yeah. And, and actually, you know, we arrive at this meeting if I'm the one who's all stressed about this, I arrive hot and bothered and I'm unable to perform, completely unable to perform when I get there. You arrive at the meeting, you're relaxed, you're late, you're halfway through the meeting, you say sorry to people as you're going, and everything just carries on as normal and you feel fine. Mm. But I'm knackered and useless for the rest of the day or whatever. Mm. That, that, that's an interesting point about the, well, the two of those, social and emotional side, because I think that's potentially a journey many of us are on. Mm. Generationally, you know, emotions for me and for many uh, in my generation, particularly men, maybe, is that, you know, emotions are just a thing that you don't talk about them. They're, they're something you quash down, you know, um, etc. And also social connection, particularly with the jobs that um, I did in the police, is that you kind of move into, you're doing jobs that requires you to be a certain way in certain things. It depends on the kind of job you're doing, yeah. but... I'm an introvert. I'm deeply introvert. And it took me a long time to realize that actually it's okay for me to, to want some time to myself. And actually that's not selfish. It's necessary. Mm. And actually feeling emotions, it feels different. You know, uh, that journey of discovery is important. And that's where the opportunity of the midlife to, to yes. think about that. How can I shape this? And particularly retirement towards meeting those needs where perhaps I haven't taken care of them or even understood them in the past as well as, you know, as well as I could. Yeah. And, and as you understand them, I mean, and you can use them. And a, and a classic one is after after I'd done the Burma stuff in 2007, I found that when I went to abroad on business then, for instance, um, you know, I might be in negotiations all day and, and I was fine with that, but it's quite draining. And then in the evening, the group that I was with 
project manager and a so-and-so and what sales guy and whatever else, they all want to go out and do something. And they all think I'm very strange because I'm saying, no, thanks, chaps. I'd rather just go and chill out. And I might eat and I might not eat. But actually, what I needed was time to myself, time to recoup my energy so that I was ready for the next day. And it was so different to them. And and sometimes they had great difficulty understanding it. But once I understood it of myself and was able to explain it to them, it went much more easily because they understood where it was. It started them thinking as well about themselves. Yeah. And I think that's a good, that's a really good point of, you know, as, as we're growing in life and developing, the part of this is also learning, learning about yourself and learning you have sovereignty over yourself and that actually that's okay. You don't have to be apologetic. You don't have to be Mm -hmm. something else. And actually in doing that, you're going to bring more to the, to life in terms of your own fulfillment, but also potentially your purpose and direction. And, And I think that's, that's really, for me, the, the, the opportunity for the adventure so I'm conscious of time uh, Chris but I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation I'm sure we could probably talk a lot more about it but I think there's there's loads there for um, anybody at any stage really because I think you're right I think the the it might be we've talked a lot about that midlife retirement but any point where you're starting to think right how can I find and shape this to suit me more and who am I in that process that those six six energy areas could be a really good place to start um sort of exploring and your values you know and I, and I think they are and I think it's actually it's actually the leading to it when you say I mean I'd almost say that if somebody feels uncomfortable with where they are in mm. work in their home life and in things like that there's probably all sorts of things going on where they could really do with understanding themselves. And I think that's almost the point at which you need to understand. That's a lot of people try and push through that, but that's the point at which you need to start saying there is something here and I need to get some help and some understanding as far as this is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's that disorientating feelings and the dilemma, the emotional state, often we're conditioned to push it down. And actually, it's an opportunity, isn't it? Mm. So I think that's that's brilliant. Any any party thoughts or is there any way that uh, people can get in touch with you if they're interested in sort of picking picking your brains and picking continuing the journey with you in in any respect? Well, I I suppose probably the best way is my website, which is nichris, N-I-C-H-R-I-S.co.uk. and I think that will actually, there's quite a lot of resources on there that free resources that people can use and look at. But um, that will lead to me um, if people would like to do so. And, right. and obviously, I'm quite happy to connect with people on LinkedIn, so long as they're not trying to scam me or immediately <laughs> sell me something or whatever. I don't want any of that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. If people have a genuine interest in finding out more, I'm delighted to talk yeah. to them. I'm delighted to communicate. Cool. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing all of this. I think it's 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 so so relevant to, the, to my audience and really worth getting some just thinking about this, starting the journey. There will be just for listeners any uh, there will be links in show notes um, that, that Chris mentioned the website, but also you know any other contact details. But uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Any feedback or questions, you can directly t- direct them towards Chris or myself at Dave at RestlessMidlifer.com. But uh, thank you for your time, Chris. It's been a, it's been a great uh, episode. Thank you. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.